I'm gonna, I'll open up in prayer. Uh, Lord, thank you for, for this opportunity for us to do this. I pray that you would be with us as we stand up here. Use us as your vessel to work through you. We, we welcome the Holy Spirit in the presence of you in this room. Yes, and and we, we, fully, we fully welcome you to, to take this away. Do what you want to do, Lord. Amen. 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 Okay. So when when I was a child, um, um, I I was read a scripture in Sunday school that uh, completely changed my faith. Um, it was the one I think we've all heard, but it's in Matthew um, 17, verse 20 to 21. It says, "Truly I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain." Move from here to there and it will be done and nothing will be impossible for you. So, I mean, that had a huge impact in me because I think you mix a child's imagination with, um, you know, with those words and it really, it really um, was a distinctive moment in my journey with God. Um, it put me in a place where I knew no matter what was happening around me, everything will turn out okay because I have my faith in God. Um, one of the biggest things I realized was the power um, waiting has and how that can affect your faith. So how, that's one of the first things I'm going to be speaking about. Um, if we look at Isaiah 40 verse 31, we, uh, it reads, But those who, who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Um, and I think one of the most important messages or one of the important messages, rather, in the Bible is the, to, the call to wait on the Lord. Um, and even though God promises um, blessings through waiting, it's probably one of the toughest things for us to do. Because as a result of fallen humanity, we, we end up wanting to do things in our time, at our pace. We want to do things um, the way, you know, according to our desires. We don't always put our trust in God. Um, yet the word tells us over and over again to do so. Um, if you actually think about the, the two words, uh, wait as in a verb and wait as in a noun, um, if we, they're, they're a lot more similar than we think because the moment we, we wait on the Lord, it forces us to put our weighty burdens onto him and to release that from ourselves. Um, another, another cool fact was, um, uh, I don't know if you guys know this, but an eagle... Um, knows when a storm is coming long before it hits us. So what it does is um, when the, when the uh, storm approaches, it's, it flies high into the sky and it waits. And then the moment, just before the storm hits, the winds um, catch its wings and pick it up above the storm. So the eagle gets to a point where it soars above the storm. And what was, what was powerful to me was how it's through the waiting that um, the eagle finds opportunity to overcome the storm. Um, um, I, I didn't make that up though. I, I took that from Pastor Benny L. Robinson. I've got to give him a shout out there because yeah. Um, so another story that's a good example. Of this is Mark. Uh, sorry, is Matthew nine twenty seven to thirty. As Jesus went home from went on from there, two blind men followed him, calling out. Have mercy on our son of David. When he had gone indoors, the blind men came to him and he asked them, Do you believe that I am able to do this? Yes, Lord, they replied. Then he touched their eyes and said, According to your faith, let it be done to you. And their sight was restored. 
so there's two things there that stick out for me. The, the first thing is how Jesus um, asked them um, if they truly did believe that he can do this. And I think the reason he did this is because often in our prayers, we ask God for help without truly thinking he can do it. I mean, I've done this before. I think most of us have been there where we pray, but you know, whether it be personal capacity or pray for healing, where we don't fully believe with no doubts that it can be done. And I think, you know, there's, there's countless times in the Bible where in scriptures where Jesus is performing these miracles. Um, he's performing them at a, at a place where um, it's, it's way beyond what, what, we know, what we know to be possible. And I think that's the key there is um, it stretches, it blows everything out of proportion to what we know. Um, um, we, sh- we should realize, like, literally nothing is impossible. We've got these examples. We believe in the Bible. We believe in these scriptures. These are facts, right? We, <laughs> there, there's nothing else for that. Like, it's, 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 it's crazy. Um, the second thing is um, that he may have, have waited um, and questioned these men um, to help increase their faith because it brought them back to a point where rather than when they, as soon as they asked him um, for healing, he didn't just instantly do it. He asked them if they, if they truly believed. And um, in that, it takes less than take a step back and um, uh, to ensure that that's what they really that, that what they really wanted. So if we find ourselves in a place where um, we think God is slow in answering our prayers, we must just realize that maybe He's just trying to increase our faith. Um, it's also important to note, though, that um, it does not mean we can automatically obtain. Um, anything if we just think positively about it, right? That uh, goes without saying, but still a little disclaimer. Um, Jesus meant that anything is possible if we, um, if we believe because nothing is too difficult for him to overcome. And we cannot have everything we pray for as if it's magic, but we can have everything that we need to serve him if we have the faith. Yeah. Um, this, the other thing I want to speak about today is the difference between talking about faith and living in faith. Um, and even if this is all you take away from my message today, then I'll be, I'll be fully happy. So in Matthew 21 verse 19, it says, Seeing a fig tree by the road, he went up to it, but found nothing on it except leaves. Then he said to it, May you never bear fruit again, and immediately the tree withered. So, um, you know, he didn't curse this tree because it was a thoughtless act of anger. Uh, it was an act of our parable. So, um, Jesus was saying, or he was expressing his anger at religion without substance. Because just like the fig tree looked great from a distance, but when looked at closely, it had no fruit, the temple um, looked great at first glance, but all of its um, sacrifices and all the other activities going on were, um, were hollow because they weren't done to sincerely worship God. And um, you know, if, if we only appear to have faith, without putting it to work in our life, then we're like that fig tree that withered away. Um, uh, genuine faith means bearing fruit for God's kingdom. Um, this is also expanded on in Mark 11, 20-25. In the morning as they went along, they saw the fig tree withered from the roots. Peter remembered and said to Jesus, Rabbi, look, the fig tree you cursed has withered. Have faith in God, Jesus answered. Truly I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain, Go throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in their heart, but believes that what they say will happen. 
it will be done for them. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. And when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them so that your Father in heaven may forgive you your sins. So the first part of that, I mean, um, uh, resonates with what I was saying before, but what stood out for me there was where forgiveness was brought into this picture because I didn't initially understand how forgiveness and faith were related. So thanks to the study Bible, it helped me out a lot where um, forgiving others um, can be extremely difficult. Um, But when we pray with a grudge, it's like when a tree sprouts with no fruit. True faith changes the heart. Real prayer dismantles pride and vengeance and fills those holes with love. So real faith seeks peace. And I think the, the, the real message there is for, for, um, us to have powerful, for us to have power in our prayers, then harmony and forgiveness must be evident in our lives. Um, and if you guys are finding yourself in a place like we, we all have been there, we all get there, and we, uh, where you're struggling with your faith, where you, you don't necessarily you, you know, see hope in, because you know, if you believe without a doubt you're struggling to get to that point, then look at Mark um, 20 to 24, actually, yeah. So they brought him When the spirit saw Jesus It immediately threw the boy into a convulsion He fell to the ground and rolled around Firming at his mouth Jesus asked the boy's father How long has he been like this? From childhood he answered It has often thrown him into fire or water to kill him But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. If you can, said Jesus, everything is possible for one who believes. Immediately the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. So, um, with that, you know, I think the biggest thing is uh, faith is an attitude of trusting and believing. Right? Like, that's that's quite a powerful on its own. Faith is an attitude of trusting and believing. However, even our ability to believe in God is a gift from Him. Yeah. We always, it's, it's not something we can be self-sufficient. We need Him for our faith. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, I think I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to end off with this, with this statement. Um, growing in faith is a constant process of daily renewing our trust in Jesus. Mm-hmm. That's how we get our faith. Right. I'm going to speak off the back of that. I'm chatting about faith for the promised land. Well done, my love. I'm so proud of you. Yes, I'm talking about faith for the promised land. Um, I'm sure that we've all been through battles and seasons where we've struggled to see the purpose in our battle and in the midst of it, we often can't see the purpose. Um, And often, I know in my life, if I'm in a season that feels tough and challenging, and I've been there a while. I start to get frustrated, impatient, maybe a little impatient with God because why am I here? I know the promises you've had for me. You've said this. Um, I know that you've said you want to prosper me, so why am I still here? But the funny thing is when I look back on those challenges, they are often the challenges that have paved the way for me to be walking in the promises I'm walking in today. Um, this man over here is a walking example of a fulfilled promise and an answered prayer but preparing for him and waiting for him didn't come without its challenges and it didn't come without its battles Um, another example for me a big one in my life is the testimony of 
my finances. Um, I moved to uh, Cape Town uh, when I was very young. I moved down here because God said, move down to Cape Town. But I was unemployed. I didn't have any jobs on the horizon. Um, I moved into a flat that was next to my, attached to my cousin's house. And I only had very little when I went there. I didn't have enough rent for the second month up front. And I was praying. Every day I was praying, Lord, I need a job. I need a job. And I went to Life Group. I plugged into church pretty quickly. And I asked them, guys, I need prayer. And I walked away from that, uh, that meeting. And people were congratulating me for these jobs that I hadn't yet received, just out of faith. And that week, after about two months of living there, looking for jobs and nothing. After that week, I got offered three jobs in one week, one permanent job, two uh, uh, freelance jobs, and I was able to accept all of them. And that was, I think, my first taste of his provision in my life as an adult, you know, out there on my own in adult life. But following that, it didn't come without its challenges. I got to many months where I felt, you know, how are you going to come through now? It's the last minute. Um, And yeah, somehow he always did. I mean, I really got to a low, low, low. And part of it probably was my fault because I didn't, (laughs) my pride was up here, so I didn't really want to ask for help. But I got to the point sometimes where I was having a cup of soup and two-minute noodles for like midway through the month already because I was out of finances or replacing my toothpaste felt like a big stretch for me. And either somebody would deposit something randomly into my bank account or uh, somebody would drop off groceries for me or somebody would open my boots and put groceries in my trunk. Um, It just like consistently God would come through and eventually it stopped feeling difficult for me to have the faith that he was going to provide because I was able to look back on all the times that he had provided for me and it would sustain my faith that he would keep providing for me. This gave me, I mean, I mean, there was so much fruit that came out of these seasons. Um, equipped me to steward my money now. Now we're in a lot more comfortable position, but I am able to steward my money wisely. It also gave me the courage to tithe. That was a challenge I faced last year, was tithing for the first time. Um, but along with these, uh, the financial battle that I had and just trusting in his finances, it truly gave me financial freedom where my faith was no longer in what was in front of me and what I had. So I didn't feel this grip on finances anymore. Um, so that was just fruit from that. I want to chat about a biblical story that similarly reflects God's heart to prepare us to fully receive his promises and his true freedom. And I'm going to chat from Exodus. Um, I want to just for some backstory, I'm, I'm going to chat about how the Israelites fled um, Egypt. The Israelites were slaves to the Egyptians for many, many, many years. And the reason I say many years is because I don't know how many years. Sorry, pastors. I tried to look, but it just told me how long they were there. So for many years, they were slaves um, to Egypt. And through Moses' faithfulness and through his obedience to the Lord's guidance, they were able to flee Egypt. Um, And God was sending them toward the promised land. Instead of sending them through the quickest route there that may have looked like it made the most sense, he took them around for 40 years through the wilderness in a season of wandering. And the reason he did that was because he knew that the Israelites weren't ready for the battles they would have confronted if they'd cut through Philistine territory. Um, They would have turned around and gone back into slavery, back into what they were familiar with, back into what they were comfortable with, because that's all they knew. And God knew that, so he took them around the wilderness. Um, So although they 
avoided the battles they may have confronted with the Philistines. They didn't avoid battle altogether. He took them that way to prepare their faith, and that took challenges. That took lessons that needed to be learned. Um, one of the first examples of how their faith was confronted and where they faced a challenge in their faith was in Exodus 13, verse... Okay, so this actually, Exodus 13, verse 17 to 18, is just backing up what I just said. Um, when Pharaoh finally let the people go, God did not lead them along the main road that runs through Philistine territory, even though that was the shortest route to the promised land. God said if the people are faced with a battle, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. So God led them in a roundabout way through the wilderness toward the Red Sea. Thus the Israelites left Egypt like an army ready for battle. Mm-hmm. And um, first day, time their faith was really um, tested was in Exodus 14, verse 5 to 14. <laughs> When word reached the king of Egypt, this was shortly after they fled, by the way. When word reached the king of Egypt that the Israelites had fled, Pharaoh and his officials changed their minds. What have we done letting all those Israelites' slaves get away, they asked. So Pharaoh harnessed his chariots and called up his troops. He took with him 600 of Egypt's best chariots along with the rest of the chariots of Egypt, each with its commander. The Lord hardened the hearts of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, so he chased off the people of Israel who had left with fists raised in defiance. The Egyptians chased after them with all forces in Pharaoh's army, all his horses and chariots and charioteers and his troops. The Egyptians caught up with the people of Israel um, as they were camped beside the shore near Fihahira, uh, <laughs> across from Baltimore. I probably said that wrong. My apologies. As Pharaoh approached, the people of Israel looked up and panicked when they saw the Egyptians overtaking them. They cried out to the Lord and said to Moses, Why did you bring us out here to die in the wilderness? Weren't there enough graves for us in Egypt? What have you done to us? Why did you make us leave Egypt? Didn't we tell you that this would happen while we were still in Egypt? We said, leave us alone. Let us be slaves to the Egyptians. It's better to be a slave in Egypt than a corpse in the wilderness. But Moses told the people, don't be afraid. This is one of my favorites. Don't be afraid. Just stand still and watch the Lord rescue you today. The Egyptians you see today will never be seen again. The Lord himself will fight for you. Just stay calm. Um, For me, it's quite shocking to see how quickly they doubted the Lord after all he had already done for them and how quickly they were to turn around and just go back into what they were familiar with because, you know, the unknown can be scarier than slavery sometimes. Um, Again, later on, the the Israelites were challenged because they felt they were lacking water, they were lacking food. They doubted that the Lord was going to provide for their basic needs. So they went to Moses and complained to God through Moses. um, And uh, the Lord provided. And he provided food for them in the form of meat and manna. Um, But with this manna, the Lord also gave them instructions. And he said, only gather enough manna to last your family for one day. Except for on the sixth day, um, he instructed them to gather twice as much so they could rest on the Sabbath day, the seventh day. Of course, for the first little while, the Israelites, a lot of the Israelites didn't follow the instructions and they gathered more than what they needed. Um, but everything that they gathered on top of what they ate that day rotted by the next day. What the Lord wanted to teach them here was that they needed to trust in his, his provision daily, on a daily basis. He needed to teach them to remember that he is their provider every day. Um, so 
this was a challenge for them. It felt like a battle for them. I'm sure in the moment they couldn't understand why they were there, why the Lord wasn't providing them with food when he helped them flee Egypt. But God had a purpose in that because he saw the bigger picture. Um, (laughs) The truth is sometimes our ideal timeline and the journey that makes the most sense to us isn't the journey that's best for us. Only God can see the bigger picture. (laughs) He knows the challenges he needs and that he, he knows the challenges we need that allows him to fulfill the promises he's made to us. God wants to give us the promised land. He is rooting for us. We need to have the trust, though, that he knows the best way for us to get there. Mm-hmm. He also didn't just want to prepare the Israelites to receive his promises, but he wanted to prepare them for the responsibilities that were to come with the promised land. Many times I can look back on challenges that I've been through, um, that prepared me. So, for instance, in high school, I couldn't understand why I was going through the challenges I was. Like, why, Lord? <laughs> I'm not a bad person. Um, in the midst of it all, I didn't understand. But when I reached the working world, I was very thankful for the challenges I had to face in my high school career because I think I would have reacted to battles out of my flesh rather than out of the faith that he prepared me with. Similarly to the Israelites, I couldn't see his promises and the battles ahead of me that would make everything before it worth it and that would make everything before it valuable. Now I'm thankful for those battles for equipping me. God didn't deny, remember this, that God didn't deny the Israelites of the promised land and he didn't take back his promises. He took them on a path that would make it possible for them to receive the promise. He also knew what they needed to be made ready for it with its responsibilities. We can also learn from the Israelites and how they face their battles. Even after all God did for them, like parting the seas when the um, Egyptians came back for them and chased after them, he parted the seas for them, yet they still doubted him to provide for their basic needs. We need to learn to look back on the times that God has provided for us, the answer prayers, the testimonies. We need to look back on those times and remember them to give us faith and to support our faith in the future that he'll keep providing for us. There is fruit in the season of wondering and waiting. For the Israelites, it built a foundation of faith that carried through generations to come. I was reading, after a little while after I was reading Exodus, which was a while ago, I was reading Chronicles, two Chronicles, and I came up past this and I just thought it was really cool. It was a cross-reference to um, the Israelites leaving Egypt and wondering. Um, and just for me, what was evident in this was the evolution of their faith and how it carried through the generations. Um, for some backstory, so I'm talking from 2 Chronicles 20, uh, the backstory of this, the tribes of the Moabites, the Ammonites and Meonites were threatening to attack Jehoshaphat, who at the time was the king of, the, uh, king of Judah, the king of the Judean people. Um, uh, the tribe of Judah was one of the 12 tribes of Israel, the promised land. Um, so these are descendants. And yeah, the Moabites, Ammonites, and Meonites were threatening to attack Jehoshaphat. Instead of reacting the way that the Israelites would have reacted all those years back, he acted out of a place of faith. And this was, what he, this was his reaction. Jehoshaphat stood before the community of Judah and Jerusalem in front of the new courtyard at the temple of the Lord. He prayed, O Lord, God of our ancestors, you alone are the God who is in heaven. You are ruler over all the kingdoms of the earth. 
You are powerful and mighty. No one can stand against you. O our God, did you not drive out those who lived in this land when your people Israel arrived? And did you not give us this land forever to the descendants of your friend Abraham? Your people settled here and built this temple to honor your name. They said, whenever we are faced with any calamity such as war, plague or famine, we can come to stand in your presence before this temple where your name is honored. We can cry out to you to save us and you will hear us and you will rescue us. And now see what the armies of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir are doing. You would not let our ancestors invade those nations when Israel left Egypt. So they went around and they did not destroy them. This comparison blew my mind just to see how the same tribes that the Israelites would have faced if they cut through to the promised land are these tribes that now, years later, are about to attack the people of Judah. Way outnumbered them. There's, you know, In logical sense, they hadn't didn't stand a chance. And um, it's not just Josephus that had this faith. It was a culture that was built along the community. One of the men cried out and said, listen, all you people of Judah. This, sorry, this is uh, verse 15, still chapter 20. He said, listen, all you people of Judah and Jerusalem. Listen, King Josephat, Jehoshaphat. This is what the Lord said. Do not be afraid. Don't be discouraged by this mighty army for the battle is not yours, but God's. Um, instead of instructing the people now, I think in a logical sense, if anyone was about to prepare for war, they would start toughening up their people, preparing their armies, um, you know, put their best fighters on the front line. That's not what Jehoshaphat did. He instructed his people to fast, which doesn't logically make sense because when you fast, you lose strength. But he instructed his people to fast. He instructed them to worship. And he didn't put the strongest people on the front line, prepare them to be on the front line. He put the worshippers on the front line. This is something that I speak to myself all the time. The worshippers are on the front line, not the fighters. Um, uh, so this is verse 21. After consulting the people, the king appointed singers to walk ahead of the army, singing to the Lord and praising him for all his holy splendor. Wow. <laughs> um, yeah, it's crazy to me just to see how their faith had evolved from comparing Exodus to, to Chronicles. Um, just for backstory to how this ended the tribes of the Moabites the Ammonites and the Meonites ended up killing off each other before there even was a battle for the people of Judah to get to by the time they got to the battle um, everyone had quite God had quite literally already won the battle uh, they had all fought each other off um, in conclusion this is what I take away from this the wilderness is a season of pruning some things we can't take us where we're going the Israelites needed to be pruned of their slavery mindset if they wanted to walk in the full freedom of the promised land. This is one of my favorite quotes. New seasons will keep feeling like old seasons if we don't deal with old issues. We need to be ready and we need to be willing for God to set us free from anything that might be holding us back from fully receiving his promises. We need to be taken out of slavery and made into soldiers if we really, truly want to step into all that God has called us for. The Israelites may have been freed from slavery, but slavery had not yet been freed from them. So these are the questions I want you to ponder on and ask yourself. Are you where you want to be? Do you feel like you've been wandering in a season, just waiting for unfulfilled promises, not maybe knowing why you're still waiting? Um, I want to encourage you with this. Wait intentionally and wonder intentionally. When I hear the word wondering, I just hear that connotation of just aimlessly wondering. Wait with intentionality. 
um, don't just wander aimlessly. Listen and look for opportunities to grow in the season that you're in because you're in there for a reason. There's a purpose for the season that you're in. Um, trust that he sees the bigger picture and knows exactly what you need to fully receive his promises. Lord, we just thank you for the word released through this couple, Lord. (laughs) And we thank you for the authority and the anointing that just continues to grow on them in Jesus' name. And Lord, together, we just release this word over each Mm. one of us, Lord God. I thank you, Lord God that you cause us to wait intentionally mm. believing in your word, Lord God, that, that we would apply that faith mm. as small as a mustard seed to the season, Lord God, mm. and we would see our mountains move. Yes, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.